Amen. Thank you, Brother Larry. All right, take your Bibles. We're in 1 Timothy this morning, 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And uh, what, a, what a great opportunity we had these last couple of days. And as we continue uh, to just do God's work here, you just pray for the ministry, pray that God will continue to open doors. And this morning we have the opportunity in Sunday school uh, to cover another topic that I think will help as we're going through this series called Making Home Work. And this is a great <coughs> passage that you'll see this morning. We're going to use one verse here, 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse, or really verse number 12. We'll, we'll cover a few things on top of this. But the Bible says, let no man despise, what's those next two words? Thy youth. And then it says, but be thou an example of the believers. And it gives some ways uh, in conversation, in word, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now, as we think about the lesson before us today, it's entitled Navigating the Teen Years. Certainly, I look around, and to my knowledge, there's no teenagers in this auditorium. Uh, but this lesson really isn't designed for teenagers. It's designed for us as adults. And when I think about how many times I've sat with parents, and, and the reality is most people, <laughs> with, with all they hear about teenagers, they kind of dread those teen years. Uh, just thinking about all the things that they hear. But the, the truth is, is that these years can be a challenge. But what I have found is that those teen years can actually be some of the most fruitful years of a young person's life. And I think about people, that, that real life people, like a man by the name of Lewis Braille. Anybody know who Lewis Braille is? Probably heard of the Braille system, right? He invented that system to help people that had no sight. And what most people don't know is he developed that system when he was a 15-year-old teenager. Uh, John D. Rockefeller, who was one of the richest men that ever lived, if you uh, factor in uh, inflation and things like that, he began his first company at the age of 19. Uh, Bill Gates, who was a co-founder of Microsoft, he was 19 years of age uh, when, he, when he developed Microsoft. And look at, look at what Microsoft is today. In, in other words, the, these teenage years can be some of the most exciting years of a person's life. But I will tell you, and I'll preface as we get into the, the points this morning, is this, that if you're here and you don't have teenagers, okay, maybe... You have some that might be teens, maybe, maybe you don't have children, maybe your children are grown. Here's what I found when I was studying this, okay? Because it, it's hard to hit an audience this size and for somebody to sit there and say, well, this is about teens, I don't have teens, and so on. Is I will tell you, if you listen and let God speak to you this morning, here's what you're going to find is, is that you might find, as you listen, some ways that you can either seize opportunity and potential in your own life, or you can help others to seize opportunities and to help them reach their potential, and watch this, to avoid some of the pitfalls that might come in their lives. You know, look, if I can help someone, you know, if I can help, whether it's a teenager, a young person, or even somebody older, then in, in my opinion, that's something that God's given to me. So I think every one of us need to have our ears open, our hearts open, as we look at this lesson this morning on navigating through these teen years, and what'll help teenagers is this. 
is, and, and this is where I think all of us come in as a church, is that teens need to know that we love them and we believe in them. Let me say that again. They need to know that we love. Look, why have, why have a youth group if we don't love them and believe in them? We want to encourage them because it's certain out in the world they're not going to get encouragement. They're not going to get help. And, and the world's not going to help them navigate through the minefields. No, the world's just going to blow off the minefields around them and try to end their, their uh, testimony for Christ. So look at the first thing I want you to see this morning is that in those teen years, there is, first of all, the potential. Now, again, the Bible says here, let no man despise, many adults despise the youth. They, you know why? Because they only see the difficulty. They only see the problems. They only look at the bad. But again, what we want to do is try to help to encourage and develop these young people. I think about Helen Keller, and many of us know about her. We, maybe we've read biographies about her. We've read things that, that she did in her life. And Helen Keller, who was both, uh, she, was, she was blind and she was deaf, the thing about Helen Keller that made Helen Keller who, who she was was a man by the name of Annie Sullivan, who was a friend, a helper, and a mentor. And she was the one responsible for helping Helen Keller overcome many of the obstacles in her life. Uh, listen, Helen Keller, we wouldn't even know about her today, I believe, if it wasn't for Annie Sullivan. And there are so many out there that need our help. And I want you to see, when you think of potential the first place you have to think about is this, is that teenagers have great faith. Now, we think a lot of times teenagers don't, but you know, teenagers haven't lived, and this is what gets me about teens, and I'm constantly, not that he feels that way, but I'm constantly trying to help Brother Kenny understand that these kids have not lived long enough to where they don't, they, they, they still believe that God can you know, us adults, we get older and we've seen things happen and we kind of get a fatalistic attitude in our lives, but teenagers still believe that God can. Teenagers have faith. If you look at some of the greatest revivals that's ever taken place in, in, in our history of our movement, here's what you'll find is some of those revivals, the catalyst to those revivals was teenagers. Teenagers got on fire for God, they got right with God, some of them got saved, and as a result, what happened was adults kind of got on the wagon and rode the wave along with those teenagers. And so teenagers can have great faith. They still believe that God can do great and mighty things. Now, here's an individual in the Bible, David. You know, in, in a lot of what happened in the early days of David's life, he was a very young man. Many believe he was a teenager. And this passage here in 1 Samuel 17, look at these two verses. David said, now notice this is a teenager talking. David said, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Ten verses later, Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Hey, look, isn't it interesting? Look at me. Isn't it interesting that a teenager who was inexperienced and had no credentials at all said, you know what? I think God can. And so because David said, 
hey, God is able, guess what? King Saul, who should have been leading the charge, who should have been the one that had faith in God, Saul said, hey, listen, we need to follow this young man because this young man really believes God can do something. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. When you look at teenagers, what do you see? I see potential. I see that God can do something. I'm going to tell you, it's easier to work with teenagers than it is to work with adults. You know why? Because teenagers are still pliable. They're still moldable. Many of us, we're just like an old piece of clay that's been sitting out in the sun for 40 years. You know, you can't revive it. You you know, if you poured water on it, if you set it in a bucket of water for for a month, nothing's going to happen except it's just going to get wet. Now, folks, we have to understand how important it is that faith is something that teenagers have. David trusted in the power of God, and you know what God did? God blessed his faith. Hey, did not the giant fall? Did not the army of Israel say, hey, look, look what's happening, and they took off after the host of the Philistines? All because of one teenager's faith in God. That's, to me, every time I think about that, I think about the potential. Listen, the best decision that you and I can make is this, that we decide we're going to build teenagers up instead of tearing them down. And that's what we've got to do. See, teenagers can have great faith, but notice they also can have a keen sense of purpose. They need opportunities. Give teenagers an opportunity to make godly decisions. They need opportunities to make those decisions and these decisions that they're going to make listen teen years and early 20s those years in a young person's life are going to be years where they're going to make some of the most uh, important decisions that are going to shape the rest of their life and we've got to understand how very important it is that some of these teens like in the bible like daniel daniel decided that he was going to keep himself pure the bible says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel, Daniel purposed in his heart. He says, look, I understand that's what everyone else is doing. I understand that's the way the world's going. But I, God's put in my heart a faith in him, and I've got a keen sense of purpose, and I'm going to keep myself from that. And with when, when I look at teenagers, without making purposeful decisions, here's what happens. Teenagers will waste their life. Years will be wasted because they have no purpose in life. We see this a lot with many young people, and I'm not going to throw all of them under the bus, but a lot of them waste many years of their lives, and we've got to help them see the opportunities. And you know what opportunities are? Is it's, it's a place for them to develop faith. Where did, where did David get that faith from? Because I believe his parents gave him opportunities. Hey, when you study, now again, I don't have a lot to substantiate this, but many times you, when somebody, when in Bible times, when someone was a shepherd, they were out there with those sheep all by themselves. David didn't have somebody watching him as he watched the sheep. His, his father gave him an opportunity so that he could grow. And this is what we need to see is giving them opportunities to make godly decisions, help them make decisions that will shape their future. And that's what we've got to do for teenagers. So when I look at a teenager, here's what I think and what I see is I see potential. But look at the second thing is, we all, along with the potential comes pitfalls. In those teen years, 
We've got to see that there are things out there that, look, as much as there's the opportunity, there's going to come mistakes. Anybody in here ever made a mistake? Yeah. Those of us with our hand up are right with God. Those of us that said nothing are not right with God. There'll be an invitation at the end of the service this morning, okay? Because all of us have made mistakes, right? And, and by the way, all of us will make more mistakes. You, you know what this church got almost three years ago? A pastor that makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. We got in the car to go over to the, the cemetery yesterday for the graveside service, and the first thing my loving wife says to me is, you forgot the last song. I said, oh, I did, didn't I? And, and there was nothing I could do about it. And so we went up to the family, went up to one of the, one of the uh, sisters of Kareem, and said, hey, listen, uh, sorry about that. Would you like to sing that song as we get started out here at the graveside? And we did. We sang it out there at the graveside. We all make mistakes, and teenagers do too. And, and there's vulnerabilities when it comes to those teen years. There's, there's some temptations that they're going to have. But listen, teenagers can successfully navigate through those pitfalls. A great book that has a lot of help, First John, look at chapter 2 there, and you know it's verse 14. The Bible says here, as he writes under inspiration, I've written unto you fathers, because you have known him, that, that is, from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye over, have overcome the wicked one. You know what he's talking to here? He's talking to young people that have been in the word of God, that know God's word, that have handled God's word. That's why it's so important that we not only understand there are pitfalls, but we can help our young people to navigate around some of those vulnerabilities and temptations that will come their way. So notice one of the pitfalls that I see is, and this is the biggie, is a lack of a real relationship with God. Now, I know I'm talking about teenagers this morning, but I know a lot of adults, Christians, that don't have a real relationship with God. Now, listen, I, they're saved, but they don't have a real relationship with God. And a lot of teenagers are the same way. They can be saved, but here's, here's the thing is, they're not developing spiritually in their lives. And I would say the same to every one of us is we, Paul said, late in life, here's what he said, I've not yet apprehended. You know what that means? I'm still developing. I'm still a work in progress. And that's what teenagers are is they, 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 some of them don't have a real relationship with the Lord. And because they don't have a real relationship, here's what they do. They flounder around. You know, many times in their lives, some teenagers even backslide. They used to be here with God, but because of all that they've had to deal with at school, with friends, and because they're not in the Word of God, they're, they're, they're moving away from God. Folks, listen, all of us can get that way. That's why we need to encourage them. We need to, we need to build them up instead of tear them down, but they need to have a real relationship with the Lord. It's no longer, and, and it's great. Listen, if you're a parent of teenagers or you have teenagers, it's great that mom and dad have a, a, a tremendous faith in God, but somewhere along the way, that faith has to become theirs. It needs to be real. Look at this verse here in Mark chapter 12. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Look at those words there. Thou shalt, thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength. 
Even, look, even in the Bible, a great man by the name of Solomon had to get to the place in his life that he knew his father's God personally. Now, I'm a first-generation Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And by the way, the best way is to have a Christian home. But if you are like me, uh, I came to know the Lord at the age of 20, and it became real to me when I got saved. I didn't have something to look back and say, my daddy's been a, been a Christian, my grandpa was a Christian, and on and on and on. Now, kind of a neat thing, when I look back, in my, we, we had an aunt that spent all the money. Nowadays, it's a lot easier, but back then, she spent all the money to have our family history traced and come to find out that there were not only uh, saved people, Christian people in our family's heritage, but there were even preachers, Baptist preachers. And, and you have to know that I looked at my dad with a big smile on my face whenever we found that. I was like, there you go, right there. You know, just maybe just jumped a generation. And who'd have thought? You know, it's like my mom and dad, they call me all the time because they've, they've lived in the same area where I grew up for 30 years before God called me into the ministry. They run into some of my former classmates, listen, of Blessed Philippine Duchenne High School. If you don't catch that, that's a big Catholic school that I, in the area where I grew up. And a lot of times they run into some of my classmates, and it's kind of funny because these classmates of mine, after all these years, they, they go, aren't you, aren't you Gary and Mary Lou Keeley? And, and my dad will say, well, yeah, we are. You're Dane's dad. And they'll say, well, yes, we are. And the same question all the time. What's Dane doing these days? <laughs> And my dad goes, well, as a matter of fact, he's a Baptist preacher in Florida. And they're like, what? He's a what? Didn't somebody tell him that he went to a Catholic school, you know? And, and when I think about it, look, there's no way. I mean, if you would have known me and everybody that did know me when I was younger, they would have never saw the potential and never said, well, that guy's going to grow up to be a Baptist preacher someday. I'm glad the Lord saw what other people couldn't see, what I couldn't even see. But look, there is potential, but along with the potential, the opportunities come some pitfalls, and we've got to help them understand how important it is that they have a personal relationship with God himself. Look at First Chronicles 28. Here, David says this, Thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart, with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imagination of the thoughts if thou will seek him, boy, it sounds like sound advice from a dad to a son here. If thou will seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off. How long? Forever. Boy, you know, if God ever gave me a son, that'd be the kind of advice I'd want to give my son. You know, son, seek God every day of your life. You know, and that, that, that was the testimony that, that uh, Randolph gave of his son uh, Kareem, was he loved God. Uh, he sought the Lord. He lived for God. And so we see here the pitfalls of, a teen, of the teen years is there's a lack of, of real relationship. They, they, they studied, and I don't know who all they asked, but they asked about 3,300 teenagers uh, that, that were from the ages of 13 to 17 years old. They asked them, first of all, if they were a Christian. And of 3,300 of them, 75% said they were a Christian. And of the 75% of those 3,300 teenagers only 50% actually practice their faith. Now do the math, because 75 of 3,300 and then 50% of that. And it's probably far less in this day and hour. Now, at some point, teenagers need to walk with God. And they need to walk with God 
on a personal level. He needs to be their God, right? Just like he needs to be our God. And so one, one pitfall is, is that they don't have a real relationship with God. And then letter B, another one is a lack of clear boundaries. Sometimes when it comes to parenting, there is a lack of clear boundaries. A lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attended no understanding for I give you good doctrine forsake ye not my law. Now what we need to do is look as parents, as fathers, we need to make sure we're giving good instruction to our children. We need to make sure we're setting good boundaries for them and, and here, because here's what happens and most of us can think back, some may be farther than others, you know what teenagers have a tendency to do is, is to kick against or push back away from boundaries. You know, why do I have to do this? Why can't I go there? That's just the nature of young people many times. Uh, they don't see it. But look here, you know what it is a lot of times? It's not that they're trying to be rebellious. It's because we haven't communicated the boundary. We haven't explained to them why. Did your parents ever tell you not to go play in the street? I can tell some of you, your parents never told you, so maybe you got hit a couple times. I don't know. But, but I know this. My parents told me that. Now, guess what? They never had to tell me because if you go play in the street, there's going to be crazy people come by, and they're going to run into you, and I'm going to have to take you to the hospital. Listen, they didn't tell me that. I just kind of figured it out. But, but when it comes to boundaries, we've got to communicate and help our children understand. And when we establish these boundaries, we have to hold these boundaries that we've set. Look at, look at me. What good is it to set a boundary only to move it? Or in this day and hour we're living in, what good is it to set a boundary and let the kid move it? That's what happens many times in homes, is kids decide what those boundaries are going to be. That's why God puts you there as the parent, as the authority in their lives. So parents, hold those boundaries. Boundaries are not what you say they are, they are what you practice. That's what boundaries are. Uh, Psalm 119, verse number 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? In other words, how can a young man cleanse his way? And here it is by taking heed there, uh, thereto according to thy word. In other words, knowing what the boundaries are, making sure he's living within the boundaries. Titus 2, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of what kind of works? Good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. See, boundaries, and I understand this. We're, we're here in an auditorium, many different homes represented. Boundaries are going to vary. I can't stand up here and say, hey, this is the boundaries you ought to set for your family. I think every home can set different boundaries. That doesn't make them good, bad, right, wrong. But look, no matter what boundaries, whatever they are in your home, can I just tell you to do one thing? Be consistent with them. Whatever boundaries you set. Now, <clears throat> as a parent, I've had a few times where maybe I've set a boundary, and then I realized, you know, maybe I should do this instead of this. And I've always tried to help my children understand, okay, listen, it's going to be this way from now on, and here's why. And, and you know, my children, a lot, you know, they, they never said, oh, Dad made a mistake. My children at many times have been very gracious to me uh, because maybe as a parent I was a little overboard with something, and I've just tried to let the Lord lead me. But, but again, there might be a variance, but have boundaries, stick with those boundaries, be consistent with them, so look, there are, there's potential in the teenage years. There are certainly pitfalls. Look at number three, then along with this comes privileges. Now, privileges are something that we have to understand. 
along with growth, okay, as a child grows, there's privileges. But look, would you not say as, a, as an older Christian today that as you, look here, as you live for the Lord, does not God give you privileges? Right? Uh, who doesn't like being blessed? I'm looking around. Okay, everybody likes to be blessed. So, you know, privileges is something all of us enjoy. And when it comes to teen years, <clears throat> young people today, and this, I think if you, if you're, if you, if you at least see what's going on in this world today, you'll understand this statement, that young people are taking longer today to grow up. And here's why. Because they haven't learned how to assume responsibility they haven't learned how to make decisions, and they haven't learned how to live like adults. Now, where do they learn that from? Not the TV, not the internet, from their parents, from their Christian parents. We've got to help them. Look, just because their friends aren't growing up, that's really none of our business. God's given us children, steward. We're to steward our children. And so I want to help my children reach their potential I want to help them to watch out for the pitfalls, but I know that it will encourage them along the way if I give them privileges, okay? And so what I want you to see this morning is how parents don't need to be raising what I would call Toys R Us kids. Y'all know the slogan of Toys R Us? What is it? I don't want to grow up. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Now, I'm not just talking about teenagers. I know 20, 30, 40-year-olds that are still living with mom and dad, you know, that are still this and that. And sometimes that happens, but here's the thing is, is that we have to understand how very important it is that even if they're still in that situation, that they're assuming responsibilities, okay? They understand how to make decisions. Look what the Bible says, great verse here, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. A lot of times we think of it as the chapter, the love chapter. And look how towards the end of it, it says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a what? I put away what? Childish things. You know, it, it, now the context is this, that as I mature as a Christian, I, I, the things I used to do, I won't do them anymore. You know why? Because God's growing me. God's been working in my heart. We, we heard, uh, if you were here yesterday for the funeral, a couple of the cousins of Kareem got up and gave testimonies uh, during uh, just a brief time. And some of those young men, uh, just tremendous words that they had to say. And, and to me, I looked at him and I, you know, I don't know, they're maybe 18, 19 years old, maybe younger than that. But, but there, was, there was a real matureness about them. And I thought somewhere, they even mentioned about Kareem, the one cousin, he said, he was 23, but he acted like he was 43. That's what he said. And, I, and I, I gave some true things about Kareem. His dad told me, his dad asked him, he said, when he was alive, he said, Kareem, do you, why don't you have a girlfriend? And Kareem said, because I can't afford one. That's what he said. His, he would come to his dad. Here he was, 23 years old. He just graduated from FIU College in criminology. He was thinking about uh, taking his, uh, moving on, taking some more schooling. 
and uh, he would come to his dad often and say, hey, dad, can I borrow some money? And his dad would say, Kareem, don't you have any money? You're working. And he would say, well, yeah, I do. But he says, I don't want to spend my money. <laughs> you know, so when you think about it, look, privileges are something we need to help our kids grow up. Well, how do we do that? Well, look at some of these privileges, and you may not look at them that way, but I do. Look at the first one, financial development. I, I think it's good for a parent to teach their children when they're younger how to make money and how to save money and, and, and how to properly use money. You know, hey, listen, one thing they need to understand at an early age is the love of all money is the, the, the root of all evil is the love of money, right? And so they need to understand that, that you know, God is the one that blesses. But what, what we can see is, is that you can help a teenager. You can set up a checking account with a teenager or a savings account and help them to manage that account, balance that account. Uh, I can't tell you how many teenagers. Uh, I, was, I was in a, a McDonald's. Not, it's been a little while back now. And the power went out, and they decided they were going to continue to serve people because uh, I guess they could still do some things. And so when the power went out, you know, they, they're using cash registers to do everything. They, they think for you. And so uh, the, whatever it came up to, it was like seven, 779 was, was my, my uh, amount. And I stood there for, it seemed like five minutes while this teenager tried to give me back my change from a $10 bill. And I'm thinking, my goodness. You know, I, I knew I, I've known teenagers in years gone by that if if you show them a regular watch or a clock that has a big hand and a little hand, they can't tell you what time it is because they've been raised in a digital age. And, and what we can do is we can teach them financial development, teach them the pitfalls. How about this about going in debt? Teach them about credit cards. You, you know what that'll do? It'll strap them to where they can't get married, they can't buy a house, they can't do this, they can't do that. Hey, listen, these are things that we can help them with and, and give them privileges. Uh, listen, we can teach them some of these lessons, especially before they go off to college, about being faithful stewards of the things that God has given to them. Look at Luke 16. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in the much. Protect your kids from, from hurtful financial decisions that they will make. And that's one privilege is you, financial development. Look at another one, personal responsibility. How about this? Did it not scare you if you have kid, kids old enough to allow your kid to get behind the wheel of a 2,300-pound automobile and drive a car? Scared me to death. You know, but again, it's, it's a privilege. But along with that comes a responsibility. I thought it was so cool to get in that car and go around a corner real fast so I could hear the tire squealing. And then one day, my dad comes in the house and he goes, son, the, the uh, tires on the car are missing too much rubber. You need to get some new tires for the car. And I said, well, can't you just get some? And he says, no. He said, they were fine when I let you start driving the car. <laughs> he said, I don't know where all the rubber went. And I said, okay. And so he goes, you have to get some tires. I was like, okay. So I took my money, went over and I could not believe how much tires cost. I'm like, seriously, what are these made out of, gold? You know? And, and I came back, and guess what? When I started going around those corners, I started easing <laughs> around them corners, you know? No longer was I, you know, that sound didn't sound that good anymore. And so you could teach uh, responsibility, personal responsibility. How about this? Uh, you know, allow your kids to make friends with other people 
But again, you know, you got to keep things in check. And, you know, it, what I have found is when my children started becoming mature enough with some of the responsibilities I gave them, here's what I did. I gave them more privileges. Now, again, you know, you want to help them, but you can't reward for them doing bad. But, but again, you can encourage them along the way. So there's financial development. There's a personal responsibility. How about letter C? Relation, relational development. Uh, spending time with friends. Hey, there's, there's benefits, and this is one thing I love about church, it, and I don't realize not everything, but I think that God and the church ought to be part of the hub in your life, especially for your kids. This is one of the values of raising your kids around churches because the, the things that they're going to do are going to be under godly supervision. There's two aspects that I want you to see that are so vital when it comes to teen friendships. Look at number one. They need to have a pure influence in their lives where somebody's not going to be encouraging them to do things immoral or inappropriate, using the wrong attitudes and, and maybe saying things that are off color. And, and especially in this day and hour, it's never been right, but it's getting worse and worse as time goes by. And so they need to have a pure influence. But number two, they, there needs to be a positive influence. Uh, look, have them, uh, if they're going to have friends, they need to kind of have the friends that respect authority. Don't let your kids spend time with people that are going to tear down authority. Make sure they're around young people that are spiritual young people. And if you, as a parent, if you sense that your child is being pulled down, here's what you need to do. Lessen the amount of time that you let your kids spend with some of them. There's nothing wrong with that. Look what the Bible says. Iron sharpens iron. I don't want my kids around somebody that's going to dull them as a Christian. The Bible says, uh, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. So, look, when we think about this, we understand that there is potential in those teen years, and there's some pitfalls, and as, as we try to help them navigate, we can, we can give them privileges, we can teach them and, and show them some things, and then, look, we think about teen years, number four, we also need to try to help them the preparation for dating. Now, it's a fearful thing, especially a father of four daughters, you know, Now I, I've been blessed. God's given me three wonderful son-in-laws. And we're still praying about son-in-law number four. I don't know who he is, but he's out there somewhere. And uh, I know God, if, if the Lord wants that to happen, it will happen. And, and my daughter's told me, Dad, I can handle it. You know? And so, so I, I'm just trying to be patient. But here's the thing is, is that when you think about helping your children, even in this area of dating, two thoughts, letter A, stay involved in their life. Stay involved in their life. You know, at, at, there's nothing wrong with a parent asking your child who's a Christian to make a commitment to stay pure. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, the Bible says, your fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Steer them in the right direction. So stay involved in their life and let her be set the ground rules. Again, we go back to boundaries. There needs to be even when it comes to dating. Uh, I know this verse, you wouldn't think of it this way. Whatsoever, therefore, you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. I think that includes dating. Everything in our lives should be for the glory of God, who they date, whatever that is. You know, one thing that I told my daughters was, listen, you need to reserve that phrase, I love you, for the person that you think someday that you believe that's who God would have you to marry. But nowadays, that's like one of the first things kids say to one another to where there's no meaning to it at all. Now, that was just me. Uh, again, there may be some things that you do, but here's what we need to do is communicate uh, decisions, even in the area, look, I think sometimes, especially if you have sons, and I, I'm not saying girls are exempt, 
you need to talk to them about physical contact when it comes to dating. And, and because one thing will lead to another. True story, we had a young uh, teenage girl that was going to our church. Her mom was a drug addict and she had no home life and somehow she ended up living with uh, my wife and myself. She became like a big sister to our, our other uh, girls and, and uh, Angie was living in her house for about three or four years, sweet girl. She got a job when she turned 16 or 17. She came home one day and she had one of our church ladies with her and, and when she came in, I could tell by the look on her face and the other lady there was something going on and they sat down in our living room and she, she looked at us and she had tears running down her face and she said, I'm pregnant. And I know Angie. And she said, I was, uh, after work, I met a young man and one thing led to another and, and you know, it was hard. Now here's, here's, here's the end of that story. Angie never got married and she raised her daughter for the Lord and both of them are in church today and her daughter's saved and of course they're serving God and so there's a good end to that. But things happen. And it all goes back to this, is we need to prepare our young people because there are some pitfalls along the way and we need to make sure we're communicating uh, decisions to our children as parents. We need to prepare them even for married life. You know, preparing teenagers and parenting teenagers does have its challenges. But folks, listen, I'm going to tell you, there is great potential in our children. And we need to see that. Uh, look at 3, 3 John uh, verse 4. I have no greater joy, he writes, than to hear that my children walk in truth. If you're a parent and you've ever had some of those late-night conversations or made some difficult decisions along with your kids or sacrificed along the way, folks, listen, can I tell you it's worth it all? The joy that you will have because as a parent you stayed involved in your children's lives. And so we can navigate and help our children to navigate through those teen years and we can prepare them. Now look, some of you, again, may not have teenagers or children, but can I tell you and encourage you that all of us know some that we can encourage. Now, we, we're not their parents, but we can encourage them. And we can lift their spirits. We can build them up instead of tearing them down, all right? Don't look, don't take every teenager and throw them under the bus, all right? There are some teenagers that want to live for God, and some just need us to encourage them. So don't forget, I've given you some questions there. Maybe you take some time this week or even this afternoon to look over some of that, do your homework. I think it'll be a blessing to you. Next week, uh, the, the lesson is for parents of prodigals. You know what a prodigal is? Children that wander away from God. But listen, did not the prodigal come home? And what was the father's attitude when this child that took everything and went out and wasted it what was his attitude? Think about that, and we'll, we'll talk about this coming week, all right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. I thank you for the privilege that you give to us as adults, as parents, with children. Lord, they are an heritage of the Lord. And that, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to seek their, their best interest. Lord, that we would stay involved in their lives. Encourage them. Lord, there is potential there, but also pitfalls. And help us, Lord, to be a blessing to them as you have been a blessing to us, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.